Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Six seconds to go. Comes in the Tucker. Ewing sets a screen. The shot is off. Loose ball. Ewing goes up. The basket counts. Hello and everybody and welcome, uh, everybody, to another episode of Strick and Roll. I'm your host, Winnie Poon, is episode 34. I'm joined today uh, by a first-time guest uh, who I'm sure many already know who he is. His name is Jake Fisher. He is the senior NBA reporter for Yahoo Sports. He is the co-host or host for the No Cap Room Show on the Ball Don't Lie podcast and he also has written a book called Built to Lose, How the NBA's Tanking Era Changed the League Forever. Uh, check that out. Jake, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, how are you doing today? Thanks for having me. Thanks for uh, giving that long introduction. I appreciate it, man. I'm good. <laughs> I'm, in, uh, I'm at a friend's place in Santa Monica. Nice. And uh, we're in L.A. for a week. I have a wedding to go to in Santa Barbara on Sunday. So, so man, the, the trade deadline goes. passes and, and you're, just, you're just out here jet-setting, huh? Kind of. It is, it is. It has been a bit of a interesting space now. This, this being my first season at, at Yahoo and trying to figure out like what they do coverage wise post deadline, um, because you can't just rumor monger for you know six months straight. Now I've got more opportunities to tell some stories and stuff like Emmanuel quickly. So here we are. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, he must have known that you were going to come on today because he decided to score 40 points last night uh, to give us something to talk about. But uh, I actually wanted to talk about a bit of this article you wrote, uh, PCS, last week uh, that dropped about, you know, quickly and kind of the sixth man of the year campaign that's going on. Um, not that that's the entirety of the piece, but I wanted to talk uh, about a couple of things in here that you mentioned. Uh, the first was, and I, this was a quote that caught, I don't know, it, it caused a lot of people to, like, get very... Anxious, I guess you could say on Nick Twitter, though Nick Twitter is generally ready to be anxious about something. Um, I'm just going to read out the quote. Uh, where is it? Here we go. It's about the six man thing. Okay, here it is. Uh, you know, he calls himself, so he says, uh, there, you know, there's one sheet covered top to bottom with sixth man of the year. There's another piece of paper, though, lined with I'm a starting point guard over and over and over again. Uh, and then he goes on to talk about, in, in this, he also has a quote in here, um, I don't want that to be what this is, quickly said. I don't want everybody to think I just want to be a microwave guy. I don't want to give that impression for my career because eventually I want to be a starter down the line. You don't work your whole life to, you know, but I'll do whatever the team needs me to do. It's about winning at the end of the day. I'm just curious. Obviously, it's a quote, so I don't have no idea what his body language is like there. I mean, yeah. Did you get the sense that he's frustrated by not starting, or do you think that's like kind of a competitor having some chip on his shoulder, a goal that he just has set forth for him that he's working towards, um, and it's not as much of an immediate concern as it might be something he's hoping to achieve down the line? I would not say he's frustrated. I wouldn't say it's an immediate concern. Um, you know, I was I was trying to ask him basically if he preferred right now on this team in this moment. 
if he preferred starting or if he preferred coming off the bench. Because uh, from a starter's perspective, he was explaining to me, I don't think I put it in the piece, but he, yeah, he was explaining to me that when he starts, his approach is, I got to be a table setter. I have to get, you know, Julius look here. I have to throw Mitchell lob. I have to make sure that he calls him QG, gets a, uh, you know, open look on the wing. But when he comes off the bench, he's just hair on fire, running around, trying to make stuff happen. So I was kind of trying to see if maybe he was enjoying the bench roll bit more right now. Kind of like, and an analogy comes to my off the top of my head is like kind of like when you're in high school and college and like as a regular human being, not a basketball player, there's no pressure in life. Like you can just run around and gallivant and be you and find yourself as opposed to like having responsibility for other people around you and uh, dependence and so forth. Um, so I said to him, like, it kind of seems like you enjoy being that microwave guy. And then he said, no, I want to stop you right there. Like I do, but I don't want that to be the case for my whole career. And then again, like he's only 23, and we talked about that too. He's only 23, he's only in his third year. He was a late first round pick. Like he wasn't really, you know, someone who was expected to come in and immediately get handed the keys to an offense. So I think he's very content in the fact that this is where he's at right now. I think it's just something that he's looking to do later on in his career, especially because Kentucky. You know, he started off as a bench player there too and worked his way into the starting lineup and used that as like a thing to work for and something to, like, he gave himself kind of like a carrot dangling. Like, it wasn't someone else motivating him, it was himself. So I think the biggest thing with that imagery of him writing stuff down in his notebook is more telling about how he sets his goals and, and kind of is, is envisioning what he wants to accomplish than anything else. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't, I thought it was like kind of weird how people ran with that and were like, "Well, this is why. Like, should we have signed Brunson? What's the like? Is can they coexist?" Um, and I, I don't know. I get the sense that when I've seen them on the court, they seem to have a good relationship um, off the court as well. Like that they play well together and that they enjoy playing with each other. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't think you were you got a quote from Brunson in the piece or anything. But did you touch on uh, anything about his relationship with Brunson while you were talking to him? I didn't talk to Brunson for it. Um, he definitely. Now, they have a good connection. I, I think it's pretty obvious when you see that whole stuff with the shoe going on <laughs> first. Like that was happening the day I went to the practice facility. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, quickly is just a, such a fun-loving dude. Like, even, you know, I, I really want – I started the story talking about, like, the dance and his step because I think that's the most unique thing about his game is how he's out, he's out there like he's on, you know, a ballet stage and he's – shimmying and jumping up and down and you know wagging his braids back and forth um but even like as he walked down the practice facility um that morning when i went out to white plains to to meet him um like just walking down the facility he has like a groove in his gate and um he's just someone who i I think it'd be hard for him to really get frustrated with anybody in the situation i feel like he's someone who is type a glue guy type of person. I think he's got that personality that he loves his teammates. Um, it seems like he really loves the coaching staff. I mean, he raved about um, everyone he's worked with there. So I, I think the Brunson fit in the backcourt is something that's going to be an interesting thing to keep an eye on. If that starting conversation does come into um, the fold at a certain point in time, um, Brunson's obviously the guy. Like he's obviously got the yeah. keys, and 
he's got the familial connections to you know make that be uh, ironclad. But you know, every Knicks fan knows the fact that they close games together and they have a lot of success doing that. I, I, I don't I don't think there's anything like any cause for concern or any like anything really to ruffle or, or a poke and pry at the relationship between those two guys. Yeah, I mean, Qu- Quickly's got uh, Roll Wide West up in the front office, though, so he, he's doing okay for himself, too. Uh, I did want to ask, um, so obviously you were on the team. I think this was – was this probably before they went on their little three-game losing streak? Um, I talked to him. It was a Friday before the, the Knicks-Nuggets game. Okay, yeah, so they were still yeah. – they, they were. I think they'd won a couple in a row at that point. Um Obviously, there was last week, there was, uh, you know, they play Orlando, and there's an incident between Quickly and Randall. Uh, there was a report yesterday, I want to say, in, I think it was the, um, the post, about, you know, you know Berman, had, uh, Berman came out of his uh, sabbatical and uh, graced us again with, with some information. But he, uh, you know, he said, like, not, not that it's some huge crisis locker room, and Begley talked about this too, but, like, yeah, like, maybe there are some things that are maybe... Um, have come to a head, some issues in the locker room, right? I don't think it was like a huge crisis again, but uh, have you heard anything of that to that extent? Or do you think it's just kind of like it's a long season, sometimes shit happens? I think it's a long season. And I talked to Randall around the All-Star break, or at the All-Star break, and he was so light. There was like a lightness to him that was really obvious. And I, I haven't necessarily seen that so consistently post all-star I don't know what the reasoning is but he some something has seemed to change a bit in at least this his presence and his constitution when he's around you know when he's on the court I mean it just maybe it's the long year maybe it's the fact that he's had some shooting struggles here and there. I, I don't know. Um, I mean, he put up, what he put up 50, whatever against the Nuggets. Yeah. Yeah, and things, was, things, yeah, things were great that night. Right. So, I, I mean, we're, we're, we're at this part of the season too, where I'm here in LA. I was at the Clippers Bulls game last night and people from both teams said to me something to the effect of, and I, and I keep hearing this over and over again, that this year being so wired tight from, you know, both conferences, basically the four seed on down it's, it's created a lot of pressure and tension that doesn't typically exist at this part of the regular season for this many teams. There's 20 teams right now that are, are really battling for, you know, their playoff lives or their positioning to get out of the playing tournament. Um, and I think that's cast a bit of uh, unforeseen circumstances on a lot of teams that I think are just, it's a long year, man. Like, this has been my first season since um, the pandemic where I've actually been going to games again and sitting down with people and like, I'm tired, you know, and I don't play the games. I just, you know, talk to people and go to my room and write. So um, I get it. I understand why there'd be some type of fatigue and how tempers can flare, but there's nothing I've heard that um, I'd be like majorly concerned if I'm a Knicks fan. Um, I, I just wanted to say, I'm, I'm surprised you didn't get a, you didn't make it a point to talk to Brunson so you guys could, you know, commiserate about the Eagles. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, Brunson was talking to the media while I was sitting down with quickly, okay. so it didn't exactly <laughs> work out timing wise, but I, uh, he probably doesn't remember, but 
in, when I was in fourth grade, I believe, and he was in second grade, I'm still in the Philadelphia area. Brunson and I played on the same Sixers camp, uh, <laughs> summer camp team. So that, there's that Philly connection for you. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure you gave him buckets. Uh, so I, I did want to go back, you know, I believe around the trade deadline, um, there was reporting of interest in OGN and OB. Like, did the Knicks ever make a firm offer there? Or was that more just like they had a conversation? It's so hard to parse out what was a formal offer or what's just a conversation. Um, but they definitely were in talks. And they definitely, I think, were one of the few teams that were really involved. I don't know how close it definitively got at the end. I don't think any team really gave the Raptors the picks that they were looking for um, in terms of like, I mean, I know I see Jonathan Macri on Twitter every day wondering if the Mavericks picks even going to convey, you know what I mean? Like there are a lot of interesting circumstances for the Knicks particular pick package um, where, you know, they're either far in the future or you don't know exactly what the conveyance is going to be, especially with where OKC kind of is now. Um, and like the Pacers had three picks to offer, but they're all in this year's draft. And like, what does Toronto need with like right. Memphis's pick and Milwaukee's or, or Cleveland's pick? Um, so I, I don't think Toronto got like the three picks that they were really wanting from anyone. Like, like the quality of pick and the player that Toronto w- was in search for. I don't, I don't think anyone got close, which is why OG, I don't know if he's still there, but the Knicks were definitely a team that was involved checking in and you know trade deadline conversations i always say this they can come up again uh back in this or when, when the summer comes around when the draft comes around when free comes around so i wouldn't necessarily take og and i'll be off the table if i'm a knicks fan but i'm not also i'm also not saying like you know start preparing for him to land and play a mess and score garden next year yeah i mean i i guess in that in that vein um like I mean, this has been, I mean, you, you just mentioned it and I, I've seen other people talk about this where like a lot of trade deadline discussion can be setting the table to maybe have a conversation later in the, in the summer or whatever. Um, so the Knicks obviously end up, they go out and they get Josh Hart, who's been a really nice addition to the team. Do you view that as something like, well, if they got Josh Hart, maybe they're not going to be interested in OGN and OB moving forward? Or do you think um, that those are two separate transactions entirely? I think it's, possible they could potentially eliminate each other but i mean new york has these picks to go buy and to go make this team better i mean that's that's clear um i think they wanted josh hart i think he was available at a price they deemed decent and he's jalen brunson's best friend from villanova and he's been a fantastic fit he wants to stay in new york long term He's represented by CEA, where there's a lot of, obviously, relationships with the next front office, where I'm sure there won't be much struggle in re-signing him. Um, but the Knicks are going to be looking to buy and to get better and to improve this summer and beyond. So if they find – I think that's also a thing to keep an eye on, too, where you talk about OG and the price. Like, if, if that's the price for OG and you have these picks, like, if, if someone else becomes available that you think is maybe a little bit – more worthwhile of that price point. Um, you know, I, I think that's also maybe a feather in other teams' cap against Toronto. Like, well, we don't have to move him now. Like, the, the reason why OG has become such an interesting trade target is the fact that he's extension eligible, but he can't 
signed for anything more than 120% of his uh, raises of his current salary until next offseason when he becomes a free agent. It's very similar to the DeJounte Murray situation, who's also represented by Clutch Sports, where the Spurs traded him last summer two years ahead um, of his free agency because they knew they weren't going to be able to you know, prevent him from testing the open market. They knew he was going to want money that they probably didn't think he was going to be worth. With Toronto, I don't know if they what they value OG at uh, monetarily, um, but there's a real thought that he could just walk if he if he touched the open market in 2024. If that's the case, you know, same thing with Jeremy Grant um, going to Portland after Detroit. Um, if that's the case, you know, there's still going to be plenty of motivation, I think, for Toronto to explore his trade value this summer, um, and being that. I'm sure that was a calculus in a lot of team front offices that, well, this is what your price is now. If we're close or if we're not quite there, you know, his value isn't going to go exponentially higher. Your asking price can't really change too, too much between February and uh, June, July, especially where Toronto is. Like they're not making a conference. You know, if they make a conference finals run, I'll be pretty surprised. Um, maybe they do. You know, the Acapurtle addition has been great for their defense. Um, but I think – that context is very important in that, you know, you've kind of laid the groundwork for this summer and you can see what, I mean, there's all the talk, there's already starting to be the talk that Damian Lillard could become available, you know, like I don't know how serious that is, but just the fact that that's out there, you know, there are going to be potential players that reach the open market that might have a higher value, high, higher ceiling than OG Ananobi. Well, yeah, I mean like Jalen Brown obviously has made it uh, a storyline himself this last couple of weeks. Um, so yeah, there are definitely guys out there. Uh, I wanted to go, go back again to the trade deadline. I, and I think, correct me if I'm wrong, um, there was this random rumor that came out about like RJ Barrett to, you know, to the Bulls for Zach Levine and some kind of deal. And I believe that day you said that you hadn't heard any of that and that that was not a real conversation. Um, is that, again, just correct me if I'm wrong, or is like, was that, does that just, not something that you had heard or is it something that maybe they had a discussion, but it was not serious at all. Yeah. I was told the Knicks called and said, Hey, what's up with Zach? And that was pretty much it. I, I don't think there was any real traction there. I mean, the bulls were swatting away offers left and right for all their guys. I mean, they even, from what I was told from multiple teams, they even like started to up their ante asking price for, uh, for Andre Drummond as things got down to the wire and they were the only team to not make a trade. Right. Right. So I, I don't think the Bulls had really any serious trade talks with anybody, honestly, especially for Zach. I mean, Zach's been – we've seen it the last couple of weeks as the Bulls have kind of reemerged into the play-in picture. He's been phenomenal. He's been their lifeblood. He's, he was the reason why they went out and traded, signed and traded for Lonzo Ball and added DeMar and made the move for Vucevic. They wanted to build this thing around him. I'd be really surprised if they – really took a look at, at moving him here unless they got a sudden, you know, direction from ownership. Like, this is what we want to do. We want you to go into a rebuilding phase. And I don't think that's what the Bulls have any intention of doing. If they did, they probably would have looked at, you know, th this trade deadline a lot more aggressively. It really seems like they're just trying to build out a perennial playoff contender with, with the Bulls. Uh, before we continue this discussion, though, uh, NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in bonus bets instantly. 
Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app today, opt in, and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game. And if it doesn't hit, you'll get a bonus bet back. Own the app now and sign up with code TBPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, with code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Yeah, um, it, they're they're a very interesting team to me. But yeah, you're right. Zach Levine has really looked a lot better the last couple of weeks. And if anything else, like even if they did want to trade him, they were probably right to hold on to him because he did not have a great start to the season. He was obviously still recovering from his knee surgery. So you know now he's playing a lot better. He's surging really to close the season. You would imagine that if they do eventually want to trade him in the summer, they're dealing now from a stronger position uh, than they would have been at the trade deadline. Um, I guess, look, there's all this smoke about, like, I watched the Rockets last night. Okay, they played the Knicks. I've watched enough of the Rockets here. They're pretty fucking bad. Okay, that's all I can say. And, like, there's all this, but there's still this smoke of, like, Harden, he's got this connection to Houston, and he loves Houston, and he still has a lot of ties down there business-wise, philanthropy-wise, whatever. Um, like, it seems crazy to me because Philly, obviously, they've really surged after an uneven start to the season. I mean, is that just smoke? Like, do you, or like, is that Harden? Like, he has to have another team out there, or a suitor out there, so that he can get what he wants from Philly? Or do you think that's real? There's definitely a lot of smoke. I don't know if it's real. I'm trying to figure it out on a week-to-week basis, but it seems like it is. I mean, we're going to find out on June 30th or July 1st, whenever the you know the, whenever it actually comes down, if it's real or not. But, I mean, people around Arden, people around Houston, people around Philly, people around Brooklyn, they keep talking about it. He's his family. A lot of his family still lives down there. He makes every opportunity to go down to Houston happen. He stuck around in Houston after um, uh, the Sixers when they played there. I forget exactly when that was, but he stuck around and went out for little baby's birthday. The guy loves Houston, and I think it's a real possibility. I also think it's a real possibility. It's just a leverage play. There are definitely people in Philadelphia who believe and are hoping that it's a leverage play because you're right. I mean, it, it doesn't really make any sense at all from a winning perspective. Um, but at a certain point, maybe that's not what matters to James Harden. Maybe, I mean, who could fault someone for deciding to take like a five-year, 200-plus million-dollar contract to just go hang out in a warm weather city where you're treated like a king and there are no expectations for you other, other than just putting up numbers. Like well, I, I, I kind of compared it to like him going, him being a, a New York Jew and retiring in Boca Raton. You know what I mean? <laughs> like if that's what he wants to do, I, I don't think anyone could really fault him for it. It's just, it doesn't make much sense from a competitive standpoint, but I mean, the Rockets do have a have a clear goal of getting better for next season. I think there's a lot of expectation around the league, that whether it's Harden or other people, they're going to be very aggressive with their cap space to try to get better this offseason. Um, and there's a thought that even with, um, you know, how 
discombobulated their uh, schemes and structure have been um, with a top lottery pick and a couple free agent additions. They seem to think there'll be a real chance there. And, you know, everyone's expecting a coaching change there too. I'm a little skeptical, but we'll see. We'll see. (laughs) Uh, And I guess, you know, follow up obviously well one thing you said mentioned about Harden like he did have a quote I think about leaving Brooklyn where he talked about like he was talking about how there's all this off-court drama there and he's like that's not what I'm about I don't care about that I just want to have fun playing basketball and like you're right it could just be that simple it could just be like yeah winning is great but that's I just want to play ball and live in Houston like that's totally reasonable um but like one I would imagine that some of his decision would be tied to how they perform in the playoffs this year uh, and then I guess, you know, like if Harden did decide, hey, you know what, I'm out. What do you like? Embiid has kind of, you know, he, he's labeled himself right as the process. Uh, he's embraced that city. I think he's embraced a lot of that. Is that like he comes into play then you think or do you you feel like that's he's just happy in Philly? I don't I don't know. And I think I mean, that's it's it's a, it's a scenario that. Rival executives are definitely looking at and circling and monitoring and, and hoping that, that that becomes the case. Um, but I was just talking to someone with the Clippers about this last night. These these players don't know. James Harden doesn't know what he's going to do right now. Unless he does, I mean, I'd be surprised. Like, even with, like, LeBron going back to Cleveland in 2014, there was all this thought and speculation that that's where he was obviously leaning towards. And I, 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 if you if you gave LeBron true serum, I don't think he had decided that he was going to Cleveland before that playoff run. Like these guys are guys; they're human beings. They have emotions, and they have insecurities, and they have just you know pressure to perform for what they believe outside expectations are versus people in their circle and all that type of stuff. Where the, not, not all this stuff is so premeditated. Like I think fans want to believe and the whole thought of like, Oh, Harden's going to Houston. And so Embiid's going to want out and he's going to want to go to the Knicks because he's CAA and Leon Rose used to be his agent. Like I get that. I totally get that. Um, I'm sure but, Leon Rose would love to, to reunite with Joe, Joel Embiid. I'm sure he would. <laughs> like Joel Embiid has been in Philadelphia yeah. his entire career where he came there after, you know, a whirlwind, couple of years moving from Cameroon to Florida to Lawrenceville, Kansas, or Lawrence, Kansas, excuse me. And then you know, his brother died as a rookie year and Philadelphia has become his home where he's got a family now and a baby. And I mean, if he just wants to stick in Philly, regardless of, you know, what happens with Harden, like I wouldn't be surprised there either. I mean, him and Daryl Morey have a really good relationship. When I went down to Philly to talk to Embiid, I guess that was in November or late October, I don't remember. Um, but, like, right after we talked, right, like, outside the, the exit of the practice facility, like, he immediately went into Daryl's uh, office and they started chatting about, you know, who knows what. Like, they're very, very in sync there. Um, so it's possible. I mean, all this stuff is possible. But, like you said, about how the postseason will end up impacting maybe James's decision or Joel's decision – think that's going to be the case across the league like there's so many teams that have high expectations here i mean if the knicks don't get out of the first round you're going to be disappointed new york's going to be disappointed if boston milwaukee or philly you know by definition 
not, not all the three of those teams can get to the Eastern Conference Finals. You look at the Western Conference, like Denver and the Clippers and Phoenix. Like, there's, there's so much going on with all these teams. I and mean, we can just keep going down the list of I mean, Dallas. So they don't even make the play-in picture. Like, what are they going to do? You know, so um, there's a lot that's still to be determined. I think the postseason outcome will certainly have a lot to do and a lot to weigh on what those decisions are for a lot of these guys. But when a lot of guys say, I'm just focused on the season right now, I can't think about um, next year. Like I, I do believe a lot of them because there's just game after game after game. And if you get caught up thinking about what could happen in July, like you're not going to be present enough now to put yourself in the position to get paid the most or to have the best trade value. Then like it really is a league where you have to stay focused on the moment and where your feet are. And we'll, we'll come to that stuff when we come to that stuff. Yeah. Uh, Jake, thanks. Thank you so much for coming on. I know you had to get out of here uh, real quick. Do you think Emmanuel quickly signs an extension with the next of summer? I'm starting to lean towards no, this is just an educated guess because everyone I've talked to in the league since that story's come out, they love Manuel quickly. And I'd be surprised if, if, if the Knicks and quickly can come to a number that they both agree upon with the whole context of the cap rising now. I, 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 I could be wrong. I mean, I had no idea. This is just an educated guess. But I believe he wants to stay with the Knicks. I believe the Knicks want to keep him. So um, we'll see if they can come to the table and, and make something happen. All right. Awesome. Jake, thank you so much. Uh, let, the people know the, let the people know where they can find you and uh, plug anything you'd like thank to plug. Uh, Yahoo Sports. Check out the new Ball Don't Lie podcast. That's the big thing to come plug. Uh, we got Vinny Goodwill show on Mondays. Uh, the good word with goodwill, and we have no cap room with myself and Dan Devine every Thursday. So that's about it. Awesome. Uh, I have nothing to plug myself, so I'll just plug all the wonderful work that we do at Strickland and uh, Jake's book. Check that out. It's a good one. Uh, that is our pod for today. I hope everybody has a great rest of the day, and I will see you on Friday. Thanks, man. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you mean cellar. the mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.